When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Oh My God, What Are We Doing? Uh, AKA Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. Uh, joining me today, uh, after making her debut in the last pod, she's back. Not on the bench this time, straight on in the starting line of Beth Lindup. How are you, Beth? Yeah, not too bad. I was always a lot better before uh, Tuesday's the bar club, but yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Weren't we all, my love, weren't we all? <laughs> also joining us is Richie Garner. How are you, pal? I'm not too bad, mate. It's Friday, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, let's take the positives out of that um, and try and forget this week. Yeah, quite Unless you're going to want to talk about it for an hour, which you possibly might want to. Yeah, I think we can't really <laughs> avoid it, can we, uh, Mr Garner, I'm afraid, but... Um, all right, well, let's start. Well, first and foremost, I mean, before the last, uh, Beth, you were on the last uh, podcast, we were just about to dive into a game with the, the in the derby, weren't we, with Everton? Um, you know, our usual concerns with, with the Liverpool team at the moment was was whether or not they uh, ever were going to just absolutely thunder into them and, and, and they were going to find out how to keep up with any kind of press again. As it happened, um, uh, our team of Teddy Bears turned up, didn't they? It was one of the... It was one of the um, the poorest Everton performances in a derby I've seen in a long time. And, and you know, at the end of it, a 2-0 win. win. But even then, there was little feelings of we got away with one there because we haven't really been tested in any way, Beth. Yeah, I agree. I think if, if you're an Everton fan, especially sort of the events of, of Tuesday night, you're probably looking at that derby and, and you're disappointed that, that the side didn't actually go for it a little bit more because, as you said, Everton were really, really poor. They were so toothless and you know I can't really I was going to say I can't really think of too many opportunities where they, they had a clear cut chance I suppose the biggest one was was James Tark- Tarkovsky hitting the um, hitting the post and obviously that led to, to Liverpool's opener but um, I think it, the positive to come out of that game yes Everton were really poor but it was almost a return to, to the Liverpool side not sort of the, the impeccable one that we've seen the last few years but sort of that 2016, 17, 18, one under Jurgen Klopp that had these sort of really heavy metal sort of counter-attacks in them and two really great goals. Obviously great to to see Cody Gakpo get off the mark as well. But I think, as you said, it, it was it was one of them where you came out of it and obviously you're delighted. And, but you, as you said, that they were toothless Everton. They, they didn't really threaten Liverpool. And, you know, it felt like going into to the weekend's game, it was a much bigger test going away to, to Newcastle and and as it was, I thought Liverpool played played well um, for first half hour or so on, on Saturday night. And then I think sort of 86, 87 minutes, Liverpool were 2-0 up with a, with a man advantage. And I still didn't feel 100% confident we were going to win the game, which sort of epitomises how that game panned out. But yeah, I think both of those games maybe lulled some people into a false sense of, of security, I guess. Maybe even some of the players, maybe they'd sort of went into Tuesday's game thinking, you know, we're, we're back a little bit. I'm not I'm not too sure, but um, I think obviously then Tuesday was, was a return to, to the fragile Liverpool that we've, we've seen all season that are, that are prone to just capitulating as soon as something goes against them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Mitch, we, the, the derby sorts of came and went without much of a headache and, 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 was, and was greatly appreciated by Liverpool fans. It was three points and then, of course, followed by Newcastle, which was... You know, a harder prospect uh, away from home, but we did it again. It seemed like um, 
it seemed like we were getting um, strains of the old Liverpool back and their confidence coming back up. Fabinho and players start to play a little bit better. Gakpo was strong again. And um, uh, so two 2-0 two victories, uh, obviously, you know, two clean sheets, much needed. Um, and then the Real Madrid. The Real Madrid for me, the Real Madrid team, which 90 minutes kind of encapsulates Liverpool's entire season for me, which was... Mistakes, just lacks of concentration, drops in concentration. They're, they're, they're massively costly, particularly against a world-class side like, like Real Madrid. And after the first 20 minutes, we were, we, were, we were thrilled by what we thought was the old Liverpool returning, but of course we were soon fooled into that because a, a drop in intensity uh, and, um, and, and a howl of, of a mistake by, a, by by one of our best players this season, so we can't do nothing about that. But just general mistakes seem to have littered our season, don't you, Rich? Well, I think it was Frank Sinatra who said mistakes have had a few. Well, we must have had his entire back catalogue of them over the course of this season, haven't we? The number of mistakes is is uh, remarkable, really. I, actually, just on the goalkeepers, there seems to be a lot of goalkeeper gaffes across the season, not just at Liverpool, uh, other games I've seen it, even this week have seemed to seems to be infectious. That maybe it's this new uh, this new idea that goalkeepers should be able to play out from the back. Which let's be honest, which when we were uh, young younger men, uh, Neil was, was pretty much frowned upon. Let's, there was only only a handful would even dare to come out the box and uh, and do stuff like that. Um, but it, it's obviously it's not just the goalkeeper. It, it's it's all over the park and and most strikingly. In defence, and I actually thought Liverpool played all right against Real Madrid. Certainly, if you go 2 0 up, you've done something right. He obviously profited from another goalkeeper mistake there. Um, you know, 2 0 up, my lad's saying to me, Why don't we play like this in the league? Um, and, he, and he's wanting to go to Madrid by full time. I'm like, Forget that, mate, because we, we've just kind of reverted to type, and, and we, you know, Madrid, are, are, you know, when they're on song, there is they are as good a side as you can find in Europe. They're European champions for a reason. And if you make mistakes and you give players of that quality uh, time and space to punish you, they will do that. And unfortunately, Liverpool didn't do that when they had the opportunity to. to because at two 0 they did have opportunities to get it to three 0 It could it could have even been something even bigger. In that opening half an hour, they had Madrid rattled. Um, and in the end, they, they've not been able. Not only have they not been able to finish the job off, but they've they've paid such a high price for it. It's just exploited uh, all of Liverpool's flaws in one gloriously ridiculous or horrendous ninety minutes. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating, isn't it? It's just those, and we've watched it all season. The turnover of of possession, uh, and even when we get turnover back, we just seem to knock it back to. It, 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 uh, uh, we give the ball away with a silly errant pass or um, just that drops in concentration really really frustrating uh, and then you know you've got players like Joe Gomez who, who uh, I mean time and time again I mean you know he had that great season didn't he before injury it was a really it, it was a it was an awful injury uh, could have been career threatening he managed to get himself back from it but I think Joe Gomez's ace in the hole was always his pace, wasn't it? It was always the fact that he could get himself out of a little bit of trouble. He sometimes misread the bounce of a ball. He would be the wrong side of the player. But he could always seem to sort of get through it because he had so much pace. I don't know whether that that um, injury that he had, that was, that was a very bad injury, has, has just taken that yard of pace off him. But for me now, I think I think it needs to be a, a, a failed disaster before he gets back in a red shirt because with, with I know... It, I know he walked off anyway with a hamstring injury second half. He was substituted, but it was a poor performance, littered with mistakes again. He seems to always have a mistake in him, Joe Gomez, Bethan. The um, the Militano header that, 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 that put them 3-2 up, was just no, there was just no need for that kind of uh, impetuous kind of just see a ball out. And, and it's just that little mistake that Joe Gomez always has had littered with him in his career that, 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 we, that we started paying that high price for when we went 3-2 down and Momentum in the game changed very, very quickly in that half. It was a really early goal for them to get. They nearly did it at the end of the first half, only for a brilliant Andy Robson interception. But just those mistakes like that, you can't do it at this level, Beth, can you? 
No, and I think that that, that performance on Tuesday, it had shades for me of the um, the 7-2 away to Aston Villa a couple of years back in the sense that, you know, Liverpool had chances and they were dominant in spells, but it almost felt as well like every sort of ball broke the way of the opposition. And, you know, that that, that pass admittedly by Gomez it was it was a bad pass and then Allison needed to just clear his lines and he, he didn't and but but you think like you know if Liverpool's look was in that ball would deflect and, and leap behind it seemed to take about an age for it to actually drop into the net and then I think it was Benzema's first goal was deflected in it was a cruel deflection that, that beat Allison. so you know I've, yeah like as you say you just can't at this level make mistakes you can get away with it sometimes when you know when you're playing against 17th, 18th in the Premier League, but they're the European champions for a reason and, and they're clinical and they're going to punish you if, if you make those errors. And I think the concern is that that mistakes like that seem to sort of, once one person's made them, they seem to sort of infiltrate through the whole the whole squad. And, you know, that's maybe why, you know, after Alisson made that error, it just seemed like it was such an error-strewn performance from the whole team then from, from that point on. And I think the killer blow, I think, was... was letting them back into the game so early and um, you know even after we'd taken that two goal lead you know I think Vinicius scored in the, in the 21st minute admittedly it was a great great finish from him but nowhere near aggressive enough defending from Liverpool in the build-up to that goal just letting sort of have the freedom of, of, of the box to, to get his shot away um, and I think that gave Real Madrid an instant in into the game and um, and I think, you know, had they managed to keep them out until the second half, maybe they might have pressed to, to try and get a goal back. There might have been some more spaces opening up. We might have had more chances to see Liverpool counter-attack. But I think as soon as they had a semblance of control on the game, they were then able to play it at their tempo. And I think man for man, when they're playing it at their pace and maybe slightly slower pace, they're just better than us. They're technically better. They're fitter than us. They look like they believe more than us. So as soon as we enabled them to to get back in and play at their tempo, we just weren't good enough. And I think, you know, as soon as, as they took the lead early in, in the second half, it was, you know, it's a cliche to say it's the worst time to concede, but it, it really is. And it was then a, a sort of revert to, to type, as Rich said, in, in the sense that we know this season, whenever Liverpool have gone behind, they've really struggled to break sides down. And, and that's been across the board. That's been against, you know, a Wolves team that have shipped plenty of goals this season we've struggled to find a way through so against Real Madrid when you've got the likes of Vinicius and and Benzema on the pitch you've, you've got no chance really but yeah as you say it's just just really disappointing I think I think that's what makes it so tough to take the fact that we did have such a commanded lead within the first you know 15 minutes and, and then we threw it away so quickly Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's that drop off of intensity, wasn't it? And you don't know whether that's been called for by the by the coach, whether Klopp's just shouted, "Just calm down a little bit." Um, you're going to burn yourselves out. But that to from when we that second goal went in, Rich, we were all rubbing our hands, weren't we? This was going to be a cricket score. I felt like, and obviously there isn't that much optimism because we do know now that Liverpool are back into that vibe of they need we need five to win a game. Well, six has it happened, but um, two nil up and that intensity, and then just the drop off and. How much of that do you think is is was technical? How much of that do you think was a tactic, or how much of that is just that Liverpool are are, are predominantly a burnt outside at the moment? Who just after about twenty minutes of a football match, uh, I mean, you know, uh, Jordan Anderson can't finish a game anymore. Let's be honest with you; he's brilliant and he's and he's, he's an incredible captain and he's running around like a blue ass fly, but he's not going to do it for ninety minutes. And how much of that? Uh, the other night was was indicative of just how burnt out this side is. Um, you you can you could look at the sort of the why the picture if you want, or you can just take the game itself in isolation. So if we take the game in in isolation, 
first. You've got a 2-0 lead, yeah, that you look like you could possibly improve on. And when when you uh, and you've got your opponents rattled, okay, which which they were, they were definitely rattled, uh, Madrid. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I think there's psychologically, if you get yourself into that that position, that there's uh, a, a con or a subconscious thought to just keep doing what you're doing and attacking uh, and and go for the jugular, so to speak. And maybe you could rack up quite a score here. You could beat. Real Madrid 4-0 at Anfield, what a message that sends to the rest of Europe. Whilst forgetting that you're playing Real Madrid, the European champions. So we, we've got this 2-0 lead. We've nearly scored a, a third or, 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 you know, had a couple of opportunities to get a third. They've got one back and then we've made a catastrophic gaffe for an equaliser. But even at that point, I'm not thinking to myself, Real Madrid, they're going to run away with this game. I'm just thinking we've given them an easy way back into it. And I just felt, or if if he just, you know, you get you can look at the goal from the corner and basically just switched off and letting such a soft goal, you just cannot allow goals like that to happen. But we've, it's almost like we've continued to play the same way that we started, thinking that's going to be all right playing against Real Madrid, rather than trying to protect that lead that they had. It's a two leg football match, isn't it? So I, I, I was saying, I was saying on the night, I was saying, even when they were went four two down. Are saying we're in trouble here now. Just got to stay in the tie. If you lose, if you lose by two goals and other, that 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 is uh, recoverable. You you can go there, and get two 0 win. You can you can do something. You could get the reverse scoreline in, in Madrid by putting in a great performance or, or getting some lucky moments. Like maybe Madrid got a lucky couple of lucky moments with with a goalkeeper gaff and a deflected shot. But we we haven't managed the game well enough. We've We've allowed it to slip out of our grasp, and now they've basically got no chance um, going to Spain. It would be it would be an absolute miracle if Liverpool was to turn this round. When they beat Barcelona four 0 at home, that had all the ingredients that you needed at home. Crowd band up for it. A great Liverpool side. This is a struggling Liverpool side playing away from home uh, and not scoring a great deal of goals and shipping them for fun. So there's nothing there that tells you that they're capable other than the history of the club that tells you that they're capable of turning that round. And I, I just think that the, um, the 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 lack of ability to stay in the contest over over 180 minutes has absolutely killed them. Now, whether that is indicative of the wider problem of we've just run out of legs, could, you know, th- that's probably very true. And, we've, you know, when we've changed personality, it's... It's it's we well when we changed personality it was probably too little too late really the the damage the damage was probably already done but all of that is all of that can be mitigated if you if you manage the game well enough to stay in it and I just think Liverpool committed too many bodies up top um, and gave the ball away too easily and as soon as you do that against people like Modric as we saw uh, they'll kill you yeah it's a tricky situation now isn't it because as you say um, it's highly unlikely they're going to go to the Bernabeu and get a three 0 unanswered victory so it's just to equalize they need four um it's highly unlikely the only the only the only thing that would that would make that half reasonable is 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 um is taking this for granted and uh and and ancelotti not being clever enough and thinking he's already got the tie one which he pretty much has but it would only just be that really wouldn't it it'd be complacency uh would be the best tool that we've got um we've got a serious situation now in the sense that you know, you've got Bichetic in the middle, who clearly is a class player, and that kid, but he's a couple of seasons away. He's a couple of seasons away from being a really top-class midfield player. Now, if you had Jude Bellingham alongside a Bichetic, you've you've got already got the makings of a world-class midfielder, haven't you? The problem we've got now is that we're because they didn't act in the, in the, for for whatever reason, because they didn't act to try and fix the hole in the boat. We've got a very serious situation now where it's highly unlikely we're going to advance in the Champions League. It's a real, real struggle to get fourth place because of the teams ahead of us and because of the quality of some of the teams ahead of us. I know we've just beat Newcastle home and away over the season. But you've got United, you've got City, you've got Spurs, Arsenal. Um, the fourth place is the best chance we've got of being able to offer a player like Jude Bellingham European football next season. And that is very much 
tied up in what kind of players we we attract close season. Because if if, if we've just shot ourselves in the foot and we're not good enough for fourth place, then there's suddenly an excuse for them to say, well, we're not going to go to you. We're going to go to someone who can offer us that. And it could be a real problem, Beth. Yeah, that, that's my biggest worry, really, with, with not getting Champions League. We've obviously been spoiled to to have had it so consistently, you know, in, in Jurgen Klopp's tenure. And we've seen other clubs, Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, all have seasons out of the Champions League. And it's not the end of the world in one sense. You know, a season in Europa League, you'd probably, you know, hang your hat on Liverpool going pretty far in that competition, if that is indeed where we, we finish up. But I think, as you say, the, the biggest concern for me is the knock-on effect it has on which players we can bring in. Um, and you can almost already see the headlines of such and such rejected Liverpool because they didn't have Champions League football or the funds weren't available for XYZ because Liverpool didn't have Champions League football, which really is a nonsense because we know that you know the, the season after Liverpool won the Champions League, they, they brought in Harvey Elliott for two, three million, however much he, he costs, and, and Adrian on a free. So... It, it, it's not always sort of, there's not always been a correlation between Liverpool doing well in Europe and, and bringing in big players. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it is a really, really difficult situation. And I, I think it's, it's as you said, that physically they look burnt out, but I think as well, there was an element on, on Tuesday where mentally, I think they looked burnt out as soon as, as, you know, Real Madrid equalised really. I think they just sort of looked they, they looked like they had a bit of an inferiority complex, I thought, um, against Madrid. I think that was the one thing that frustrated me the most is even when Real Madrid went 3-2 up, I still thought Liverpool were going to get a goal back, at least one goal back, because you're thinking the kicking towards the Carp Anfield has that has been bouncing all night. You'd fancy them to, to go and, and, and give it a go, but I just thought heads dropped and they just looked like they... I can't really think of too many clear-cut opportunities in the second half that, that Liverpool had, and... Even sort of 80 minutes, you, you know, you've got a three-goal deficit and you're knocking the ball around the back and it, it just all felt very, very flat. And you think bringing in the likes of, of a Jude Bellingham and, and, you know, make no mistake, Liverpool need more than Jude Bellingham if they're going to be competing on, on all fronts again next season. But, you know, bringing in players like that, we saw it with Alisson, we saw it with Van Dijk, as well as physically improving the team. Mentally, I think it has a, it has a big boost because you, you, look, you look around you and you have these top quality players and... Like that that is my concern it is will the likes of Jude Bellingham want to come to Liverpool if there's no Champions League football and I think a lot of that then comes down to Jurgen Klopp and, and how persuasive he can be and and also how much FSG are willing to invest to show that they're intense and show that they you know if, if they don't get Champions League this season that that's certainly not going to be a long-term thing and they're going to be sort of vying to be at, at the top table again in, in you know another season's time <laughs> Emotion on the Blood Red Channel. Meanwhile, people are still paying money to watch the matches. It's it's it's, it's frustrating. It's great to have a long term plan when it's not really costing you a weekly party or weekly wage to go and see the team, and you want them to. It, that, I don't I don't mean to be too cynical when I say that, but it is this whole idea of like, yeah, we'll get there in the end, and you're like, well, you know, it's been thirty years since we got there for the league. And, and we, when you're up there, you know, stay up there is is is, is all that we're asking. You know, you know, be um, try and stay at the top table for longer. You know, be competitive, and it just feels that. I mean, I'm looking at our injury situation at the moment. Um, Canate's still not. He's been training, but he's still not back. Um, Luis Diaz is March. I mean, we've had some. It is awful. We have had some terrible uh, injuries that haven't helped. Thiago, uh, obviously, Alcantara is still out for a while. Um, you'd have to say, though, Richie, wouldn't you, to, against Palace, certainly, who, who, who can do damage as well uh, and have got a, a fair bit of pace up front. That, um, I mean, Gomez has come off with a, with a hamstring, but he, uh, even Van Dijk didn't look his best, but then he's just come back himself. From injury, it's difficult, isn't it? Because the injuries really do dictate how your season goes. Because you might lose a player for three weeks, but it might take another three or four weeks when he comes back to get him up to match fitness. So it needs to be Matip and Van Dijk at the back, doesn't it? If, if we're going to mount any kind of, you know, defence against against any side during this league at the moment. Well, it's funny you should say that because that's what I said a couple of weeks ago, and then I was asked to pick a team to play against Newcastle on Friday. And I put 
Joe Mezzin, Alonson Van Dijk, because I thought he played well against Everton and had Ellis Sims in his back pocket, who admittedly, no disrespect to him, is not Karen Benzema uh, or Vinicius Jr. So I would like to agree with you, but I'm not sure if, if I can. Uh, it's it's really a case of you're only as good as your last game at the moment, I think. And, and that's not really good news for Liverpool because it means that this defence is going to continue to chop and change. I think uh, Canate, who, who wasn't great in the last couple of games he played before he was injured, has, has just started training again. He's had a couple of days training, so probably won't make the weekends, but maybe he would be available the week after. Players tend to become... Uh, the stock tends to rise when they're not in the team. If you know what I mean, it's like uh, the absence almost makes you a better player. I was saying to Matt Addison before, it's like Daniel Agger. What a great player Daniel Agger was for Liverpool when he wasn't playing for about six months. He was just kind of hailed as his greatest centre-back we'd ever had. Um, and, you know, stocks does rise when you're not in it. And, and it's going to be it's going to be difficult for Liverpool just to have any sort of stability at the back until, until they can string a few wins together. Now, they've got two against uh, a pretty diabolical Everton uh, and a, a Newcastle side that I let, that thankfully had one eye on a cup final uh, and, and not on where the edge of a penalty box is. Uh, and, and that that really <laughs> gave them what they needed. Two, two wins on the run in, in the Premier League, two clean sheets. They, they need to go and do that again now against a Crystal Palace side that, uh, you know, they're sort of not really doing much in the league, but they've got some very, very talented players. I'm not just that so hard. that like Eze, there's, there's, there's always in that team. We're really talented footballers who, who if Liverpool are care, careful, will hurt them. Um, and the, the basis of any football team is, is, is a decent back four, isn't it? And a solid, solid, robust base to build from. And... I'm I'm not going to be convinced by any combination until I've seen at least five or six consecutive performances where you can honestly say, all right, we look solid at the back now. Uh, even if it takes some nil-nils, we've stopped shipping goals and I'll, I'll, you can build on that because we've got talented players uh, up top and a couple have just come back and, the, and there's another one to come. Um, but if you can't sort out those issues at the back, you won't win anything. Yeah, it's quite right, Beth, isn't it? Because, I mean, I think one of the blueprints of Liverpool's downfall this season has been the fact that pretty much everyone on the team has has, has been out of form, um, sometimes all at the same time. But um, definitely there have, been, there have been, I mean, I mean, you know, Nunez scored a great goal. He's got a couple of great goals now. Uh, scored a great goal in the derby and scored a great goal in um, uh, against Real Madrid. Um, but... Even he is probably better on the left and isn't that consistent up front, is he? Um, and Salah has scored a couple of times, but uh, but hasn't been at his best. Alisson has been probably our most consistent player and then does that. It's 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 really, really difficult when you feel like you're getting a player who's, who's starting to come back to, to some sort of form and then trips again. I mean, Fabinho in the first half against Real Madrid looked like the old Fabinho. He seemed to have a, a bit of a spring in the step. And then the moment he makes any kind of click whatsoever, he just goes backwards, doesn't he? He starts, he's looking, he's turning around and trying to play the ball back to the keeper rather than go forward. He fundamentally given one of the goals away, wasn't he? When he, he got caught in possession and um, uh, lost the ball and couldn't keep up. So it's just, it's that, isn't it? But how many times this season, Beth, are we going to go two or three games unbeaten and think, okay, is a bit of stability and then they trip over again. It is going to be, unfortunately, I think, isn't it? It is going to be one of those seasons that we're just going to have to endure um, where we win a few, we lose a few because there just isn't any consistency and it's highly unlikely there's going to be any consistency because the the, the, the squad just isn't strong enough. Yeah, I think I think my concern now is, you know, it was such a demoralising defeat and, and the manner of the defeat on Tuesday but then psychologically what impact does that have going into to the league because you know as you say top four is going to be difficult to get I think you know Manchester City Arsenal and um, Manchester United are dead certs for, for three of those spots so then it becomes do Newcastle drop off do Tottenham drop off 
Um, and I think we've seen Liverpool do it, claw back bigger deficits than than they have at the moment. I think it's six points now off off fourth place with a game in hand on Newcastle. So they win that game in hand. It's three, and then that that's very easy to to, to overcome. But it's it's a big if, isn't it? If they win that game in hand, because you, you can't take anything for granted this season because as you say they've not been able to string more than two or three wins together at a time but I think the one very sort of thinly veiled positive that that you can maybe take from Liverpool going out of the Champions League is that they do only have one competition to focus on you know there was a lot said about last season they maybe played too much they were burnt out they don't have that excuse this season you know that they're gonna have to play treat every single game in the league like a cup final as sort of cliche as that sounds they're going to have to go into it and and I can't see sort of the defence being sorted out to the point where they're going to stop shipping goals I think they're going to have mistakes in them so we might see a, a revert to to you know what Liverpool were in the early years under Jurgen Klopp where if you score three I'll score four and obviously then that, that's relying heavily on, on Nunes and, and Gakpo and, and, and Salah sort of hitting form and, and maintaining form but yeah, I think I think that is the biggest been the biggest problem this season is that it's of course players have dips in form. You see that in every league, in every club across the world, but it's the fact that all of the players, all of these players who've been so brilliant for Liverpool over the past few years seem to have hit a slump in form at the same time. And whether that's down to, to the exertions of last season, physically and mentally, you know, who knows, or whether it's just down to an aging squad. Um but yeah, it, it's it's difficult, but they just have to put that behind them. Now they have to put Tuesday behind them and have to try and maintain sort of that, that momentum that they, they have in the in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean that's well, you you've hit on a positive and let's let let's let's try and keep on the positive theme because we have to we have to do that. I, I did say uh, Nunez scored against Everton, of course it was Newcastle Nunez scored against but the, the important thing is Gakpo, Nunez and Salah have been on the score sheet the last two games. Um well, three if you include the the uh, Tuesday nights. So there is a positive there, isn't it? You've got you, you know you've got uh, Jota coming on now again. He's back to fitness. You've got uh, Bobby there, and and then you've got I mean Gapo, um has been impressing me. I have to say he's really strong on the ball. He's uh, he makes some lovely runs from deep, doesn't he, into the box. So there's more to come from him, no doubt about it. So Richie, in positive terms, the front half of the pitch um, is looking a lot stronger, and with Diaz. To come back is looking a lot stronger than 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 the middle and back half. Let's say the front half of the pantomime horse is performing a lot better than the rear end. Um, but in in um, we, we've got a midfield there that, that just that just needs a revamp, doesn't it? We just need strength uh, and speed and, and 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 a little bit of uh, power in that midfield, don't we? And uh, as as good as the young kid is, uh, he's just not quite ready yet to uh, t- to take on the mantle without someone alongside him who's going to do it. But front wise, front lines is on the improvements. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Well, horse dung comes out the rear end of the horse if it's pantomime or real, uh, and that pretty much sums up how things are going defensively. But uh, you know, we've got a nice mane up front. Uh, in uh, in Nunes, uh, Gavko and Salah, who are starting to uh, look like they're, they're clicking now. Um, it did take a while to get going, Gavko, didn't it? You know what I mean? I was, was a bit worried there for a, for a few games. And I think if uh, Firmino and Jota had been fitter um, a little bit earlier, he probably would have had a little uh, a little time on the bench there, I think. But it's, it's worked out in, in his, in his favour, really, because... He, he was great against Everton once he got his goal, and I thought he was good against Newcastle and and, and did okay against Madrid. And we're now starting to see see more of them. He's, he's settling in, and um, I, I, I'm not too sure whether he will continue in that role now that he's got more riches to choose from up front. Of course, only a week or so ago, he only really up three fit forwards, didn't he? Or forwards you would expect to start. We've got the likes of Caballo and Elliot who kind of not really sure where either of them play still at the moment, but it's uh, I don't think it's in the necessarily in a front three of a four three three. Um but I don't know, Beth Beth you were saying there about how we might have to go back to a, a clock era where well you scored three, we'll score four. 
that absolutely terrorize, uh, terrifies me. Sorry, with this uh, with this Liverpool defence, I don't think I could take that. Maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm too too old school. I'd rather it was uh, nil nils and one nils and stuff like that. Probably less entertaining, and it is an expensive pastime these days, isn't it? So we do we do pay we do pay to see goals. I just got to call that enough. Uh, um, but I just don't know. I don't know if. Liverpool have scored goals in games, but they're not scoring loads, are they? Um, but they are quite keen on, on shipping them. Um, I, I, I do. I think what I saw against um, Everton and Newcastle was a midfield that was more workmanlike because uh, it's been quite dysfunctional all season, hasn't it? The midfield. Uh, and he made a little bit of a tweak because he's got uh, Basisic in there and Fabinho. You could argue are both kind of uh, more defensively minded players, although Basisic has, has, has already shown that he's got quite a repertoire of different um, tools in the box. Um, but but with those two and with Henderson, they, they, they have looked a bit more robust. Now, if, if, if you can keep things tight at the back and keep a robust midfield, that's opening up opportunities further up the pitch and we can just... Just control the ball, get it out to the to the wide players who we know are capable of putting the great balls into the box. I'm saying on Wednesday night, uh, particularly in that second half when we were just a goal down, I think Trent put a couple of glorious balls into the box that no one got the end of. And I was saying, just keep doing that. Just keep giving them the ball. They weren't getting particularly tight to him. I let him to put those deliveries in, and, we, and for whatever reason, they didn't didn't persist with that with that line of attack. Look. He gets criticised all the time, Trent, for his defensive play. But but there's there's hardly a player in in the Premier League that can put a ball in like he does from those wide areas. And we just need to be playing to our strengths, and 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 that's one of them. Whether we can uh, score the amount of goals that is required to to win more games, well, you've got to be positive and say, yeah, yeah, we can do as long as we don't keep shooting ourselves in the foot at the of the other end of the pitch. I think, um, you know, Salah's reaction to the goals that Liverpool uh, conceded the other night, he was furious with a lot of them, and that shows that he still cares to him. He's still got the fire burning inside him. He's, there's always a bit of a worry, isn't it, when you have uh, new new contract syndrome. Uh, there's a bit of a drop-off once, you, once you've earned a big deal. It, it happens at all levels of football. Um, but I, I think he's still got the hunger to drive Liverpool forward. And if they can just get a little bit more savvy in front of goal, like Firmino often is, uh, and a bit more, a bit more calm in in those areas, those goal scoring areas. Maybe, maybe these ones and two goals again could turn into three and four, and um, then we'll have a chance of winning football matches on a more regular basis. Yeah, there was a moment there uh, against Real Madrid where Rudiger ran right up behind Salah and just and just stretched his foot out in front and took the ball off Salah in exactly the same way as he did play for Chelsea when they scored. Um, in that uh, when they beat us there, uh, but that I can't even think what what the the, the Chelsea midfielder was bangs the ball in a really fluky goal last season. Um, oh, the Kovacic one where he absolute belter. Well, that, it yeah. was a belter, but it was a belter that would have ended up in Rose Dead nine times out of ten, but just happened to. But that was again rude get poking his foot in front of Salah in exactly the same way. So Salah needs to also know that. He gets frustrated when when they, when we can see goals defensively. He's part of that defence as well when he needs to be. He needs to get back and be doing a little bit more himself, doesn't he, Beth? Yeah, I, I think so. I think you know, you defend from the front, which is a, is a cliche, but you you know, I think when when this team is struggling defensively and struggling in midfield, you need your your forward line to sort of take on that extra mantle and. And be prepared to get stuck in defensively, um, which I don't think we've we've maybe seen enough of this season. Uh, and I'm loath to criticise Mo Salah. As as to be fair, I, I'm loath to criticise the majority of these players because you know I think as I said on the pod last time, I mean, they, these these players have been incredible under Jurgen Klopp. They've given us some of the best days of our lives as fans. But um, yeah, I think as as Rich said, we did see a sort of more work than like Liverpool um, in the last two games, and I think. So the one positive to take from the Newcastle game is, you know, they actually when when Newcastle went down to ten, you know, Liverpool conceded a lot of chances, and um, but the one positive is they managed to keep Newcastle out, whether that was through last, you know, last ditch defending or a brilliant save by Allison, 
and we haven't had too many clean sheets this season so I suppose if we're, if we're trying to be positive you can flip that and say they had to weather the storm and, and you know they conceded a lot of chances but they managed to keep a clean sheet and and hopefully that that's what they can well hopefully they don't concede as many chances against Crystal Palace but um you know they, they have to completely re- remove Tuesday from from the minds I think and and just think right in the league we, we've, we've scored four goals conceded zero in our last two games let's keep that up and um, but it's just it's just so hard because I feel like that they they have a terrible result and then they have a couple of good results and they suck you back in and you're trying to be positive and that you know they, they capitulate as, as they did on on Tuesday which is incredibly frustrating but and um, you know Crystal Palace haven't had the best season um in the league which probably means they're going to win about three <laughs> three nil tomorrow but um but no I I think Liverpool just have to use what happens on Tuesday to, to galvanise them and think, right, well, we're not going to qualify the cha- through the Champions League by winning it. We've got to qualify by top four. And I think the only way Liverpool can do that is if they win pretty much every game from now until the end of the season to, to guarantee top four. So, yeah, we, we will see. Yeah, there's not much room for an error. But you know what? I was watching when I was watching Liverpool against Newcastle, Rich. I thought Liverpool, uh, Newcastle starts is quite bright. But it looked a little bit leggy to me towards the end of the game. And I thought to myself, you know what, right? Newcastle have been at it all season. They've been brilliant. But they've been playing at a really high tempo pace. And they're now halfway through this first season they've ever really done that. And they're starting to feel leggy. Man United were looking a bit vulnerable last night. Managed to pull it out the bag. But they've got four games in 10. They've got four matches in 10 games. or 10 days or something. Now they've got, they had last night, they've got um, a, a League Cup final. Then they've got Liverpool. To, and they're starting to look Jordan Henderson played 59 games last year of a 65-game season. You know, and that's just one season of three or four seasons where they've been hammering it. I think Fabinho played 53. So when I turn around to people and people say to me, well, what's happened to Liverpool? They don't, they can't even begin to conceive to understand how hard those players have, and and, so, and how for how long those, be, those Liverpool players have been playing at that level. I mean, they raised the bar you know they were they were ninety to almost a hundred points a season. That's um, we don't have the depth of squad like City do to be able to 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 to, to kind of sponge that all up and then and then and then play it out again. Fifty nine games in a season uh, at that level is an extraordinary amount to ask anyone to play. And then that, that's not the seasons before counting as well. So I'm seeing legginess in I'm seeing legginess in teams now that have only done it for half a season. So it's it's understandable, isn't it? It's very frustrating, Rich. There's no doubt about it. It's frustrating as fans. It must be really frustrating for them. If that lactic acid burns up in your in your legs, um, ten minutes into a football match, and you know you've got eighty to go, um, that can be really frustrating. But it's the difference between getting to a second ball and not. Very very subtle little the devils in the detail, isn't it? Um, um, with with Liverpool, I think that is what's happening this season. Definitely, I think the culpability is is in the fact that the owners. Would clearly have had that kind of news. Would have that kind of. They'd have, they'd have had the analytics. They'd have known this, and uh, and have chosen not to do anything about um, uh, trying to do it and hoping that you can put a plaster on a gunshot wound. And they can't. And that's the difference with Liverpool now. As I think is that is that at some point in a match, that lactic acid kicks in, the heaviness kicks in, and and the the the, the struggling to see games out. <laughs> Emotion on the Blood Red Channel. Well, none of that has helped if you concede the first goal in almost every match you play as well, isn't it? Because you're already you're already uh, playing uphill, aren't you? As soon as you do that, and uh, that's why I was so pleased that Liverpool scored the first goal against Newcastle because I thought, right, you know, haven't, haven't won away from home since Boxing Day. Uh, played quite well against Villa, I thought. They certainly scored uh, two very good goals, um, but but pretty appalling since then. Um, uh, always conceding early, and then we got got our noses in front against Newcastle, and 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 that that yielded the correct results. I mean, Fifty nine games is a hell of a lot, isn't it? Absolute murder on the old Auto Cup scheme. They're rinsing your bank's bads uh, completely dry. So maybe this season is just a way, you know, of uh, Recalibrating the books a little bit, you know, save a bit of money, and uh, we'll go again next year. Um, but yeah, it, it has caught up, hasn't it? And and what uh, just on the point about the owners, and um, 
not just the owners, but Klopp and the management team have got to got to take responsibility for this as well. They, they, the the types of signings they've made and the progress that the team has made has all appeared to have been stats based. It's been very much based around the figures and and what sort of return you get on the investment you make and the, and the running that's been done. So they'll have had all that data uh, and continued as they are without you know without bringing too many players in, particularly in the area which where you do the majority of the running, which which is in midfield. All right, your fullbacks were fairly well covered there, but certainly in midfield, that's that's where you're covering the most ground. And um, and yet, we, we, here we are with basically the same players and, and lots of injuries. And of course, they, all those games we've played, it's not, not just the amount of ground you cover, it's the, the number of, of players that have, have missed games this season. And, and that has made things harder again. So it, it's frustrating and... Um, the way football is now, it's such a high-stakes environment, a, a multi-billion-pound industry. Um, failure has uh, high repercussions for a lot of people, and yet it's something that you should really enjoy as a pastime. So, and I think it's here where people who, who are actually going the games have a little bit, a little bit of an advantage because you, <laughs> the result of the game can become a bit of a distraction to the rest of your day if you understand what I'm saying you know what I mean you can meet your mates beforehand have a, have a few pints or go around the ground whatever it is that you do and then and then digest digest what happened on the pitch and analyse it afterwards together but uh, if, if you're just uh, tuning in for the match and, you, and you're being uh, routinely disappointed that's not going to make your enjoyment uh, uh, any any greater unfortunately but yeah it, it's uh it's going to be a tough old road from here until the end of the season. Liverpool's still capable of, of pulling a cat out the bag, though, aren't they? You know what I mean? They they they, they can still they're still in the conversation for the top four. That that you, you, you named the number of teams there, uh, Fitzy, who you know most of them are going to finish in the top four. Newcastle are one that could that could drop away. Tottenham could drop away, uh, and then the other teams are both. Uh, the ones we're not used to being behind, like Brentford, Fulham, Brighton. Well, they're in uncharted territory, aren't they? Uh, we don't really know how they're going to react or, wh- or whether they've got the minerals to go the distance. So uh, a bit like uh, being in a two-legged competition against Real Madrid, you need to keep yourself in the tie, stay in the competition, be, be in and around those places and be ready to pounce. might not be pretty. It might just be edging up slowly each week. But... Um, you know, when the music stops, Liverpool are in the top four. It's top four, rather. Everything else is going to be forgotten uh, for for a few months at least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might even take a, a last-second goalkeeper header, bullet header. Uh, we've been there before. That. I, mean, I mean, there's a lot to be said, Beth, about the fact that... And I, I look at it with... Pessimistically, I mean, if Arsenal win the league or Man City, it doesn't... It's the lesser of two evils for me. It doesn't really matter, does it? The fact that we're not in the mix, I don't really get... I don't want City to win it again. Oh, I'm I'm not particularly over the moon that Arsenal are going to win it. I don't. I just feel though that there is a technique to winning it, and you have to know how to get over the line. And I would always put my money if I had to on the teams that have been over the line before. Arsenal haven't for a long time. Starting to creak a little bit. Something like one point in ten or something. Like that. I don't know. They've had they've had a bit of a a bit of a blitz, haven't they? A bit of a a bit of a nightmare that City are just going to keep creeping on that shoulder. But we just have to have to get ourselves up there. There's no doubt about it. We've done it before. We know how to do it. And that's the main thing. I feel like injuries are starting to come back to fitness at a time when we're really going to need them. I feel like teams around us at the moment are looking a little bit leggy. And it could just be that we come up on the outside like a good old 100-1 to Grand National that you've stuck a pin in the Echo for to win. Um, we could well do it. Um, let's have a prediction for Crystal Palace then, Beth, before we go. Um, I'm going to go 2-1. I, I, I struggle to see them keeping a clean sheet after the defensive display the other night. But, you know, I think, as we said, Gakpo and Nunes have, have hit form a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I'm back in Liverpool to win. But I think it will be a nervy one. So I'm going 2-1. Oh, then all, that, that, that's a safe bet, the nervy bit. Let me tell you, boy. And I don't... Unfortunately, <laughs> these days, Mitch, I don't go for the pipe before and after the match. I sit there with my two teenage sons who just... Uh, at least one of them goes, this is a trap. And I just feel like throwing them out the back door. 
because um, you know what you said it beautifully, Beth. I'll come back to you in a minute, but the the the, the evenings and and the moments of this team has given us over the last few years deserves respect. But Rich, um, your uh, your Nostradamus esque um, delve into what's going to happen on Saturday. Do you, do, you, do you have to sit there having about four bottles of Prime with your teenagers? <laughs> I haven't got I haven't got enough money for four bottles of Prime. <laughs> you, you're telling me that's all I hear these days. Oh, you see, you just get one bottle of Prime and keep filling it with banana milkshake. That's what you do. It's a bit like property, really. Just get one, sell it all for double, and then go back and get two, and just keep doing that. And before you know it, you can afford G. Bellingham. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Um, I'm with Beth. I do not see a clean sheet in this football match. Uh, although I'd happily take one. Don't forget, Liverpool have kept two clean sheets consecutively in the Premier League. They are going for three and a second consecutive away win. However, um, there, Crystal Palace have some very good attacking footballers. Um, so, however, I am going to back Liverpool to win the game. Um, with a reaction from what happens on Tuesday and there is going to be goals in it and it's going to please Beth because it's a case of if you score two, we'll score three. Uh, three, two to the Reds in a classic encounter at Celeste Park, enjoyed by everyone apart from anyone who's stuck behind one of their pillars. <laughs> of which there are many. Or gets, yeah. gets hit by that hawk before, they, before we start. <laughs> Eagles. That's what they are, the Eagles. I'm gonna go for the I'm gonna go for the clean sheet and two goals. There you are. That's how, how much prime I've been taking. Um Beth, you summed up brilliantly whatever we're going through now. You've just it, this is all I keep saying to my sons, this is what being what you're feeling now, lads, is passion. And if you don't feel it, then you haven't got any passion. And and we've had four seasons, five seasons, whatever it was, of just absolute top draw world class football. And the lads need us more than ever now because they're, they're feeling it and um, and we need to get behind them. Of course, which we always do. We always will be behind them. Positives to look forward to. Front lines looking a lot stronger. If we can just get that back line a little bit more consistent and then find any kind of middle line. <laughs> now, you know what? The young lads have been great. The young lad Pachetta has been great. Hendo and Fab alongside him. Just try and steady that ship and I'm going to go for a 2 0 Mr. Garnster, thank you very much. Richie Garnett, good to see you, my friend. Looking so dapper as well. What a shame is this isn't being shown. <laughs> we can take pictures and uh, distribute them on Twitter if uh, that gets the readership up at all. There'll be some swiping right going on, let me tell you. And, <laughs> and Beth, of course, looking as beautiful as ever. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Beth. Beth and Rich, uh, speak to you soon, guys. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.